We're back, part two, and like I promised in the open, special guest, I'm going to have a co-host in part two, old friend of the show. Now, before I introduce these guys, you know, well, guy, not guys, this is the pride of Staten Island, uh, the number one Ed Cranepool fan, hosted a podcast with me for a few years that actually did pretty well until, you know, we kind of had to figure out, you know, how we could make some money in life, right? So we did that. <laughs> And uh good friend, I've known him now for about 15 years, Steve King Cranepool at Cranepool Society, at Cranepool on Twitter. Uh Steve, welcome to the program. I, I'm giving out all your old information when you used yeah. to yell about the Mets, but welcome in. It's been a while. I know you've been on this show. I can't remember the last time. It's been a few years. It's, so yeah, uh, welcome back, my man. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back with you again. This is like uh, old times, you know. Even though you because... yell at me on Twitter, you're one of the, you hold yeah. this whole group of people who apparently feel like holding me accountable is uh, is a good thing. Well, so I got I got a lot in here. Well, we, you know, the people on Twitter, we, you know, we know we know that mentality. So we have a good time with. It. Don't blow the cover on this. They still think <laughs> you know. They think that we're fighting. I know, I know that's, that's true. So the thing is, Steve likes to bring me down from the uh, the ivory tower, <laughs> the, the whole thing, and, and everything. When I when I get too out out of out of sorts, but um, well, let, let everybody know we're going to debate Brett Beatty for the next half hour, right? Oh, going to debate Brett. I didn't even think. See, you brought something I wasn't, but there you go. Now here's a funny story. So Steve and I met. I believe we met during. Remember the God rest his soul, Dana Brand Mets fan book. I think right. we met around that time when I started right. on WGBB and I was doing New York baseball talk. And I've had so many iterations of this wild ride to where I am now. Maybe one day I'll write a book that nobody will buy. We'll see if that's the case, you know? <laughs> so, um, and we just struck up a friendship. That's when you do a crane pool society, if I right. remember. And over the course of a couple of years, we somehow between my work on WGBB and the old NY baseball digest and the fact that God rest her soul, Shannon, who used to run yeah. the public relations and the Jay Horwitz uh, for the Mets, decided to have these blogger roundtables and invite blogs out to the ballpark to make them feel more inclusive. It was kind of like, and I'm not knocking it, but it was kind of like the kids table. And there were times where I'm like, hey, I'm accredited. I've, I've, I've been in locker rooms, mainly for the minor leagues. So sometimes I felt a little uncomfortable, like, hey, I'm not a Mets blogger. Uh, but we had a lot of fun and, you know, you and I had a chance and that's how we'll start out to kind of go one-on-one with Jeff Wilpon who showed up <laughs> in the middle of, so you got, you start the story out. Cause I've been hinting at this story. I think the fans would enjoy it. Uh, and I still remember you were sitting to my left. I was sitting at the table. I was here. You were sitting to my left and we see Jeff Wilpon walk in and it's Dave. What was it? It was, was Dave Howard there. I think Dave Howard was there. Yeah. Um, what was his name that used to work with Shannon? He used to be with the tennis association. Oh, David oh, Newman. That- David Newman, Newman was guy. there. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that David guy. Newman. Was... Uh, Shannon was in the room. And yeah. then Jeff Wilpon. So Jeff Wilpon walks in. And I remember, I, I remember, you know, hitting you in the shoulder. Go, oh, here we go. Because you obviously were a big <laughs> Jeff critic. And we know Jeff was on Twitter. So go ahead, tell that story. Well, you know, a little bit more like on the backstory of that. You know, when I was writing Cranepool Society, I would just destroy the Wilpons. Like just, you know, to know. And I get an email one day from the Mets and wanting to know, I think they would thought that I was running this big publishing empire with the Cranepool yeah. Society. That was the misperception. Well, was, yeah, that was the misperception. Yeah. I actually had someone email me once when I ran NY Baseball Digest, my site, asking me uh, that they're going to go to my boss and have me immediately fired. I'm like, <laughs> so, okay, this is what Jeff hi. 
It's a guy, right? He thought like I was the publisher, you know, he thought <laughs> there was a publisher and I, I'm like, no, it's just me down the basement. That's it, you know? <laughs> Which I can see you in your basement right now. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, you're literally in your the, basement. There you go. Back of the basement. My son has the front, but I got the back of the basement. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and they said, you know, he, he feels, you know, Jeff feels like you're kind of overcritical of him and everything. I'm like, well, if you ever wants to meet with me, no problem. Because I had another problem with David Howard, who didn't like some of the stuff. And at least he met with me. We had lunch. And, you know, he said, I think you're a little critical. I, I, I told him where I stood and everything. And remember, at the time, this is the beginning of blogging and all this. It's, so, it's the wild, wild west. It, it right. really is. So yeah. there's like, you know, we're saying stuff and there's like, you know, they there's not much they can do except like, you know, block you from coming to the ballpark. So Which they which never they happened. never did. They never did anything no. like that to their credit. They didn't go the Jim Dolan route. No. But like what you're referencing is the night we were having like a little get together with him and he comes in and just looking at him, you could tell this guy has like no clue what he's coming into. Yeah. They 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 sandbagged him if you ask me. I don't right. think he realized what he was coming into. Yeah. But, I'll say that you know I don't want to really disparage our other fellow bloggers and everything. Yeah, but most of them, when a guy when we had Jeff Wilpon, well, when a player came to talk to us, most of them just sat there like kind of awestruck where they were. Where you and I just went after guys. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I, like, I I had nothing, we to, had lose. nothing like, to lose. Yeah, I had nothing because <laughs> they didn't want me anymore. It wasn't changing. I mean, we had some great interviews. Like we inter- interviewed. That might have been the night we interviewed R.A. Dickey, Daniel Murphy, I believe, one time, yeah. Travis Darno. Um, you know, the list was goes on good. and on. Darno was yeah, he was a little. Class. He was. I remember he being a little bit shy and dull. He was a young player, yeah, but he was I, always accommodating. There was yes, a lot of guys I, that were like, yeah. That. I mean, he was. He was very vanilla. When you look back, uh, and you could see some of the success that those guys have had. You know, we were mainly. I'm I'm interrupting, but I think it's important. During the story, the time that we were there doing those things was during Mets baseball purgatory. Like they weren't going to be more like they weren't going to be bad. They weren't necessarily going to be great unless everything came into place because they weren't spending anything to upgrade the roster because they just had enough to keep what they had, which wasn't good enough. And that's where, you know, some of these guys were really good guys and have gone on to good careers like Darno mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously Daniel Murphy and and things like that. And then that's when Jeff came in and you're like, all right, let's see. Where's the light? I think this was like 2014, maybe 2013, maybe 2013. We're talking like 13, 14. I think it was 13 because you'll get to it. Alfonso Soriano came up during the. uh... (laughs) That was the whole thing. As with he's talking to us and everything. And I mentioned to him, I said, look, this your team is not going anywhere this year. You need to get people in the seats. He he disagreed you, with you, by the way, on that. He oh, says, yeah, well, he and I'll tell you, he said, well, Duda does this. And it's like at that time, Lucas Duda was like, yeah, come on. Imagine Lucas Duda. <laughs> right. Imagine Lucas Duda hitting 30 home runs. Well, Jeff right. Matthew might have known what he's talking about at that point. Yeah. So I mentioned to him that the Cubs were just looking to get rid of Alfonso Soriano. For money. They For were, money. They were just going to give him away. And, in fact, you know, you think back, Alfonso Soriano, he was traded for Alex Rodriguez, this is he, how he was held in such high esteem. Right, and a guy like Alfonso Soriano today would be would be a, a, a commodity that teams would go after because he he's basically Ronnie. Mar- he's basically you know Ronnie Mauricio pro- profile is very similar right. to him. So I had mentioned to Jeff, I said, "Why don't you go and get him 
He'll bring some excitement to the team. You'll get people excited about seeing him. And he looked at me like I had three heads. And he goes, Meanwhile, Sandy Alderson kept making jokes about not having outfielders. Soriano right. played the outfield at this yeah, point. Yeah. I mean, he, he would have been, I don't want to. And the main thing, like I tried to explain to Jeff Wilpon, was it won't cost you anything because, you know, they were like, cost you money. It won't money cost you any prospects. It'll cost you money. No, cost co- you money. some money. Not right. even, I mean, the, the Cubs would probably have bought out the majority. Whatever was that. left of that particular deal. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So if you really want to know, in 2013, uh, Soriano was making $18 million. So whatever, yeah. you know, and this is May. So two months of, of, of payroll probably would get down. So, you know, a third of it's already gone. So maybe you're looking at, uh, 12 million bucks, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. You and you could make that up in merchandise, you know, right. make a couple of shows. Maybe, you know, maybe we're oversimplifying it, but you get the yeah. point. You know. <laughs> but Jeff tells me, he goes, we have some, we're getting somebody better. Right. And I'm like, I'm looking at you. Uh, what are you talking about? He turns and shows us his phone and he's showing us, he's, uh, he's texting back and forth with Scott Boris. Now, he, I'm looking at you. I'm like, is he supposed to be really like showing us this stuff? Because I don't even think a beat writer could get this out. Meanwhile, that's really something. A general, uh, the player you're about to announce was something that should never make it to the owner level at all. Yeah, should not. Well, yeah. the player was Rick Ankiel, who played briefly for the Mets that season. Right. Yep, exactly. And if you if you look back at Ankiel's career, he was a top pitcher. He got hurt, hurt his arm, came back. Had had, had a couple of decent offensive years yeah. with the Cardinals and outfielder, but struck played out a lot. Field. Yeah. yeah, played a good center field. Like I think by today's standards, he was he was an anomaly for sure back then. But just to give you context here, Al Soriano in 2013, when the Yankees acquired him, they didn't make the playoffs, but he helped. Uh, he wound up hitting in just 58 games down the stretch: 17 homers, 50 RBIs, at 850 OPS, 131 OPS plus. Pretty good numbers. Yes, free swinger, struck out you know 60 times and. 219 or 220 plate appearances. That was his game, high strikeout rate. That's why he wound up fizzling. He was late 30s, 37, so it was lightning in a bottle. That's a bat that in the 2014, no, the 2013 Mets were bad, but even as you go to 2013 before 2015, those teams, if they had just a little bit of investment, could have maybe made some wild card noise, maybe mid-80s. The Mets never bottomed out. They never did what the Astros and the Cubs have done, which is really, it's like debt that's maybe finally coming home the bill do and Cohen's trying to spend money to keep it from not getting to that point. But so, you know, here we go. Steve key, not a general manager uh, talks. And then, and then you look at what I just told you about uh, uh, Soriano and Ankiel comes to the Mets same time. Now I just gave you Soriano's numbers and he hit 182 with two home runs in 20 games. So that was somebody better. <laughs> according to Jeff Wilpon. So according to him. You know, and, and I, he was very defensive. I remember you led the brigade. I think some fans uh, were more concerned, and rightfully so, about Banner Day. I remember that was a big thing, which mm-hmm. I think Banner, like, I think the way they did Old Timers Day as an event kind of encompasses Banner Day slash, yeah. like, I think people, especially people, you know, I was at the tail end of Banner Day watching baseball in the 80s. Those who grew up in the 60s and 70s, the world has changed a lot. We know that. The world has changed a lot in 10 years. Forget about since the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that has the same cachet backers. You know? Yeah, it probably does. And then at this point, with how people are so sensitive about what is being said and the, the people who like to use these things to make <laughs> uh, statements about non-baseball things, nobody needs that anymore. I know. Nobody that, really you needs know, that. 
point. So that, I think that would be. I think that's part of it too. Like you say, like somebody come with the banner and yeah. you know, then have somebody, then somebody in in, in uh, the organization look at it and say, well, yeah. that's really not appropriate. And then you never know. I mean, you look at the look at. The, unfortunately, look at the grief the Mets got for just putting out a simple, you know, we support Israel t- uh, uh, I know. thing. It's, I mean, the Mets got the good. Imagine if you this happens, God, you know. We're praying for all those people over in the Middle East, yeah. you know. Um, God forbid this happens during baseball season. You know, you got to deal with that. So getting off topic there, but yes, you know the whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, Jeff yeah. was very annoyed by Keith. Oh. I kind of was like bouncing off at Steve. Steve was the alpha. I was kind of like bouncing. I don't remember what I asked him. I do remember specifically when we brought up Soriano, he says, our baseball people think he can't play. And I'm like, well. Yeah, you know, well, they're, fire, they're not people. wrong. <laughs> they were oh, wrong. Man. I mean, he wound up fizzling out, you know, the following year. But you know, that was the thing. You know, at that point, you had no ability to go out, and you were trying to develop hitters. You had no ability to go out and get legitimate, you know, even very good that component, very good pieces. You know, this would be a very good piece. You know, albeit at the end of his career, and then the baseball people. Then you say, you know, well, do you think it? Or do you baseball people think it? And the fact that Boris is texting Jeff Wilpon about a guy who was on the scrap heap in Kiel, when you talk about structure in the front office, I don't think David Stearns would be wasting his time with a Kiel right now. It would be his, you know, whenever he gets a GM oh, no. or assistant GM yeah. and things like that. So, but, you know, everybody has to understand also where, where, where the franchise was at this time. This was right after Madoff. They, and the, yep. the Mets had lost billions yep. of dollars. Yep. And they were hemorrhaging the franchise. If it wasn't for Bud Selig saving them and having all the and other looking the owners. other way on the debt services, the same thing the Padres exactly. were facing. The exactly. Mets were facing exactly. the same thing the Padres were facing. The difference is they somehow gave a well, they authorized well, a bridge loan to save Will Pond with the bridge loan. Right. And our friend Howard Bigdell, who wrote Will Pond's Fo- oh, Will Pond's Folly, yeah, kept saying that's a violation of the Constitution of MLB. Yeah. And, um, you know, he saved them. Now, they actually had, and I can't remember his name. Remember who actually bought into the team and was supposed to take over, and then they backed out? I can't remember the guy's name. Remember the other hedge fund guy, Matt Cohen? Was it David something? I know. There was somebody else that was supposed to come in and and take take over the team. But then they started selling off pieces of the team. And I mean, I remember the guy that, Owns that one eight hundred flowers he bought in. Yes, Bill Maher. Bill Maher had a little bit. Yeah, it was other Einhorn Capital. Yeah, Greenlight Capital. Uh, Shoot, his name was David Einhorn. That was his name. Yes, David Einhorn. He was looking to come in. Uh, Then you had all those minority shares, and you know the one thing people have to understand about minority shares: you get a nice seat at the ballpark for five million bucks or whatever it was at the time. You get your parking space. You get some cards saying you're minority owner. But guess what? When there's a, a cash call, when the team loses money, if you own 1% of the team or half a percent of the team, yeah. you're on a bag. You're on a hook for half a yeah, percent of the debt. So yeah. it's, it does not come. So it's not like a stock. If you put the stock in in the fund and it loses money. You just you just don't want to look. You close your eyes. You know, the fund, this, this stock calls you up and goes, we need uh, $10 million. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're scraping through the, the change. Now, yeah, some of these, you- obviously, these are wealthy people. But remember... These are not wealthy people like Steve Cohen wealth that could just want to just pluck no. $10 million, you know, to cover uh, Alfonso Soriano playing yeah. three months with the Mets. You know what I'm saying? So which well, is part of why the Mets were struggling, because you had way too many uh, financial challenges in front of them at that point. So, right. and you know, even 
what what Selig did too was he put the pressure on Bank of America, who was the top uh, advertiser yeah. for MLB, to give the Wilpons a loan as well. So right, Selig strong arming banks and, and other owners really kept because if you look at when the Dodgers when Frank McCourt owned the Dodgers, they yep. couldn't wait to get him out. And and they I mean, and they grease. I mean, he couldn't make payroll. They greased the skids yeah. on yeah. that one. And uh, you know, and it's that's why it's interesting what's going on with San Diego. Obviously, with interest rates rising, I think you're going to see. I think you know. Obviously, we're in from a world standpoint dynamic times. We've been in that space since maybe ten years ago, but now with the financial situation, this is why the spending of money is perplexing to me because these are wealthy guys, but everybody's financing debt and financing yeah. debt at near zero interest rates for a long time. Those are not zero anymore. Padres are the first team to kind of say, "Hey, you know." I need to take a look at my payroll. You look at Cohen and you look at some of the tactics teams used last winter. Just look at how Correa, his deal fell apart with the Giants. His deal fell apart with the Mets. But if you look at it, it wasn't about giving him the highest AAV in a year. It was about spreading the payments out to give him a total dollar value. And 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 the players were like, hey, I'll take $320 million, even though it puts me at the same AAV as Brandon Nimmo. But right. it's still 320 million at that point. So I guess they look at it a little different. So you're seeing the behaviors, how people are spreading out the finances, because there's only so much money in a given year that even the wealthiest teams that want to spend. And you make, it makes you wonder what's it going to do with the free agent market. And, and look, Steve, if, if I told you a year, a spring training, Justin Verlander's pitching this week, Max Scherzer's pitching this week, Tommy Pham had just come off a week where he hit a home run and played really well, you'd be feeling pretty good about the Mets. Even if that was told to you after Edwin Diaz went down in a pile in Miami. And here we are. So what's your reaction? I kind of underestimated the Diaz injury. I thought, all right. I didn't. I didn't. I, 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 I thought, thought they that, could figure it out. I thought they could yeah, figure I it thought, out. Yeah, I thought, okay, you can trade to get another closer. And then, or you could put Robertson and put him there and like have everybody step up. The problem was they could have weathered the storm of the Diaz injury, but Billy Epler was put together an awful bullpen, and he had an awful strategy. Instead of going and getting quality relievers, quality pitchers, he wanted to get guys who had options. Right. And that was a problem where you had a relief, your guy could pitch two innings on a Saturday, send them to Syracuse, bring another guy up, right, and they were just interchanging – because they don't have, and that's the farm system, they don't have those kind of guys. Right. They don't have it. That's part number one. Not all Billy's fault. I agree with you. You should have stacked that bullpen. Once you went over the threshold of the luxury tax, you it's like it's like people who are at their max on their credit card and they're worried about the, the three dollar ninety nine cent latte. That's not gonna put that ain't gonna pull well, it's probably not three ninety nine, it's probably six ninety nine. Oh, but yeah. you get the point. You get the point. Once you're in debt. You got to manage it. The the five dollars here, the two dollars. Now, when you take on you know a three thousand dollar charge, yeah, that's the one. And we're talking in layman right. for people like us. That's where you're at at that point. I think that's what Billy Epler did. He says, you know what? Those cups of coffee that are seven dollars, we're gonna hold off and get. Uh, you know, we're gonna go to the Dollar General and get ourselves this really good pot of coffee. Then you and I are drinking the coffee all year. You go, oh, can somebody get Awful. us some Dunkin' Donuts at that point? And that was, that was my whole thing: is you're bringing in guys who. Nobody's ever heard of these guys. And they're bringing, and now I think that that's a, a, 
a negative dynamic in the clubhouse too, because now you have guys coming and going. And like, if you were a regular player, you're like, who's this guy? I never saw this. Oh yeah. He's, he's coming today. Guys are coming in and out, shuttling in and out. And I think it hurt a guy like a Joey Lucchese. I saw Lucchese in Brooklyn. He was doing rehab. I kind of got to talk to him a little bit. I felt bad because this guy, he's a quality. He shouldn't player. be in Brooklyn. He should no. not be in Brooklyn. I didn't understand how they managed him all year. Yeah. You know, if they were trying to depress service time, which I wonder, as you have this potential investigation, I've never, you know, that's why I don't, th- I, I think it's bogus. MLB, especially the commissioner's office, they love suppression of playing time uh, and service yeah. time. They love it. <laughs> that, that, even though that's, um, it's in the bylaws. <laughs> even though that's unethical, right? That's, that's, that's made positive. But Joey Lucchese. That's in Major League Baseball. Right. right? I, and I don't know off the bat yet. Well, it, and I keep telling, look at Steve, you go back to the time that you, I tell people on the show, it's hard for me to do a whole show on it. You know, pinstripe defection, great book, talks a lot about how the Yankees, even though they were not very good players, were monkeying around with the international market, oh. violating even the Patriot Act. When A-Rod went down, what people don't remember is that MLB hired a fixer. Anybody watch Ray Donovan on uh, on what, yeah. Showtime? A Ray Donovan type was hired by MLB to go after A-Rod. Okay? Yeah. They use mafia tactics to go after A-Rod. That's a, a corporation. So if you don't, yeah, you know, that's... they and, and they have carte blanche, especially on the ceiling. It was like the mob. When Seelig ran it, to his credit, and I think Manfred is doing the same thing, not as as duplicitous. I think Manford plays more up here. Selig presented up here, top, but then underneath he, remember, he was part of the coalition with Jerry Reinsdorf and he that did collusion one, collusion two, collusion oh, yeah. three. Think about it. I mean, if you really want to know why baseball's here, it's a long pathway. Huh. Somebody eventually would write a book, but they get no cooperation. Just like if you really oh. wrote a book about what happened with Madoff you know, and Wilpon that 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 reaches into tentacles of our society that many people don't want you to know about because that's no, more if than so, if, if somebody that, that that would that wouldn't be just a book; it would be a volume volume. Yeah, it would be great. So you know, you look at that, and and that's where we are. Um, you know, Steve, you, we were joking and laughing, and you and I go back to our time at the you know post collapse Mets baseball purgatory made off things and. I think why the Mets are where they are today and why Cohen's in this pickle is because of what happened back then. Now I'm as guilty as the next person. If you look at this in hindsight, you probably, you know, in October of 2010, and I've said this on the show and and I wonder if you agree with this, the Mets haven't had this much uncertainty about their direction of their team since when Sandy Alderson took over in October of 2010, at least at that point, you knew it was baseball purgatory. He, he didn't admit it in those kind of words, but he gave you enough clues. That's where Sandy gets beat up, where I, even I got annoyed after a while. He was just giving you the riddles and the lawyer, lawyer talk because that's who he is. But also, that's what he had to do. Let's face it. that's He was dealing with a boss that was not easy to deal with. So now they go through that purgatory. They kind of half-measure rebuild because they don't trade right. They don't trade Reyes. And they get to the World Series with all this pitching that was – really there from Omar. Some of it, very fortunate. Yeah, they got Syndergaard, but you get the point. And Wheeler, mm-hmm. those were Alderson's deals. But look, it's still development. And now starting in 2015, they have this wild carpet ride that nearly leads to a championship. And at that point, Steve, when they walked off that field and the Royals beat them, the goal was we have this pitching only for so long. 
It's only going to be here so long for money. It's only going to be here so long for health. We have to go out as an organization and leverage that. And they didn't have the money to do that. So that's why you have things like Daniel Murphy or Cespedes. That's why you have uh, De Aza in center field. That's why you look at some of the lineups they had to put out uh, in a playoff game against Madison Bumgarner. And you look back and you're like, those are not good lineups. Those are not complete lineups. You know, we were fooled. You can't win zero to negative one. But we knew that giving away those arms was criminal. It was painful. And you were probably going to get 50 cents on the dollar because everybody knew the organization wasn't necessarily run well. So now you ride that out. COVID happens. Cohen comes in. Now Cohen's like, I have to spend money while we rebuild because for some at some point post-2015, player development went into the you-know-what. Yeah, you got yeah. a McNeil and Alonzo. But especially for the pitching side, it has been in the, the crapper for now a decade. So now we're spending money to pay for the sins of the past, trying to build it up. And I and I know you're not a Billy Epler fan, but think about what he was tasked with. He came here and he was tasked with competing and preserving a farm system that didn't have a lot. Not easy to do at all. And and I and that's why you had the 2022 trade deadline. That's why you're in the position with the optionable relievers. So you got to go back to when you and I were just these wide-eyed bloggers and say, hey, that's where it all started. Well, I'll I'll take it back to Sandy Alderson. Now I can tell you now, I had a really good relationship with Sandy. Uh, well, and, and I know you I, don't like how I be, how I beat up Sandy. I know. Sandy, and I don't like how, Sandy, because I and, it's not really, be, and I know he's been sick and he's he served our country. That has nothing. That's my issue is I thought he was an antiquated executive very quickly into his first tenure. That's my opinion. But go ahead, that's you the, go. That's the perception. Now, like I said, I had a really good relationship with him, and you know he took over a situation where the owners did not want him there. They wanted, they didn't want him there. He was brought in. Remember, he came from the commissioner's office. He was happy staying in the commissioner's office that was, doing what he was doing. That was okay? Bud Selig's, hey, if I give you this money, right. you have to do this. Right. So Selig was like, listen, I need you to go in there. This was Selig, again, saving the Wilpons by bringing them Sandy Alderson, who, if you look at his career with Oakland, with San Diego, he does have success. Okay. Now he comes in. The Wilpons, they, they really don't want him there. They think that they can get this out of this hole by themselves. Okay, they can't. He comes in and says, this is what we got to do. He took over a, a team and an organization that was like the worst, in maybe not just baseball, maybe all sports. They were like, they, they should have went bankrupt. All right, They should have went bankrupt. They should have been the Dodgers. Look, anybody listening, read Wilpons Folly by Howard Mandel. Right. It'll explain everything. You don't need me to to sit here and lay it out for you. It'll look, he, he does it in a far better way. Yeah, ancient history, but but, it, but it's important as we let Steve talk. It's important to know where we we came from to right. know why we're here. At that point, but Sandy's hamstrung because he can't go out and sign players. He can't go out and get and sign a legitimate manager. That's why the Mets have had the, the Mickey Callaways and, and that type. So now he le- he builds this team from rubble. To the 2015 World Series with a manager who I I don't understand how people think this guy was a great manager. He was awful. He was, he was awful. terrible. He's I, awful, and I and it drives me nuts the revisionist history that he sits there. I mean, Wally Backman should have been the manager. Not saying today, back then. Um, look, Bob Melvin, who I was against, probably was a better choice. I can tell you why Wally didn't get the job. Drinking. Okay. 
part of it. Drink when it. the Mets, when they when they lost the, the, the farm team in Buffalo, because Buffalo didn't want the Mets anymore. They wanted Toronto. Yes. They didn't no like other... their, from what I understand, they didn't particularly care doing business with the Mets either. Right. Buffalo. There was no AAA team left except for Las Vegas. <laughs> I remember. So that. now they go to Las Vegas. Which is the worst possible. It tells you where they are, the worst possible spot well, for an East Coast team. And that's what Wally tried to tell them. She says, are you kidding me? First of all, you're sending Wally to Las Vegas. That's bad number one. Bad number now, one. So when he has his first team meeting, Wally tells these players, I'm telling you right now, if you get in trouble with the law, you get in trouble with the woman, you get any kind of trouble in a casino, anywhere here, here's the number to call, and that's who you tell. The number was Sandy Alderson's cell phone number. Oh, wow. So Sandy was like, is this guy kidding? That's, so Jeff, if you remember, Wally was brought up in September of, I think it was. I think it was 13 as a coach. Yeah. As a coach, as, I remember. As a bench coach. Jeff wanted Wally to be the manager. Jeff, and and, and the bloggers like you and I were oh, very yeah, influential. I mean, I, I've oh. spoken to Wally. I've had Wally on the show. I am not by any stretch. Let me repeat this to the listeners. I do not think Wally could manage Major League Baseball. I think he could manage a Major League Baseball fundamentally, but I think everything else and where his mind space is at would not work by today's standards. I'll give the caveat to I love Wally personally. I've sat with him. I've spoken with him. I've had drinks with him. He's great. He's great. He's a, he's an outstanding baseball. I think player. I heard when he was in Brooklyn, he liked an old haunt of mine, the Salty Dog in Bay Ridge. So I heard that too. He he, lo- he did. That's kind of where we I saw <laughs> <laughs> the Salty I, Dog. That there you go. When he old, was at old Brooklyn, Bay Ridge haunt, yeah. When I went down to talk to him and everything, I said, "Where are you hanging?" He goes, "Oh, I like to go." So Salty Dog was his hangout. That's where I you know I got to see him, got to meet him, talk to him. Mm-hmm. You talk about a baseball mind. He's like guy a, knows baseball. Yeah, but he just. You know, he, he has a problem with authority, and he has off-the-field problems. Now, you see, he was in Long Island. He's left the Ducks, and he was very popular with the Ducks. I have a feeling there's more to that story than, than we yeah, I'm sure there is, too. And it's yeah. funny because when, the when you know, out here at Staten Island, we have the Ferry Hawks. We're in the uh, Atlantic League. So I've been going to a few games. So when they came in and Daniel Murphy was on the team then, I got to see Murphy, and I got to talk to Wally and everything. I mean – I don't know something like you say. There's, there's always more. And look, everybody has their shelf life. Um, do I think the Mets win the World Series with Wally in 2015? Yeah, I do. I think a better yeah. manager, Nate Yost. Yeah. You know, again, and I, I hate to make this show about the past, but I, I, I t- encourage everybody. Mets down two one. They uh, Mets down two zero. They win two one on a Friday night. They pitch Familia up by six runs in the ninth. Mistake number one. But I understand from a standpoint of Collins. I that team was pesky the Royals and his bullpen Clippard was he didn't know who what he had in Addison Reed I, I don't remember who pitched prior to to Familia uh you know Charlie Clippard was on the expert you know the milk was expiring and his other options like Torres and guys like that Robles were dicey and six runs against the Royals could go up and smoke quick okay now the next night game four he you know Nate Yost brings in uh was it Wade Davis. His top Davis. closer. Davis in, was it was, was in the eighth inning in or the seventh yeah. inning. Yeah. Top club baseball. And and they win. Now Murphy makes a big error, but the reason there's runners on base when the Mets are ahead is because he brings Clippard in, who's not good. You gotta go with your closer. You have a chance to tie the series. Now I know what he's thinking. I don't know if I could pitch him tomorrow. 
there is not going to be a tomorrow. The Harvey decision, I don't criticize him for. That one was the, you know, he was on fire. Now, you you know, Harvey admits to this day, wrong pitch selection, not going mm-hmm. after. And it drives me nuts with all these pitchers, even today. When you are ahead two runs and it's a 3-2 count, stop messing around with secondary tertiary pitches. What is, guy hits a home run, who cares? Go after him. Don't, like the yeah. walks, nothing drives me more insane than walks in this game. And that's oh, wow. exactly what happened. And look, maybe Colin should have pulled him at that point, said one batter, maybe he should have had a better plan. But again, a lot of things happen in that well, game. Game four no. is where he should have he botched the if you If you're going to get beat, get beat with your best pitch. Yeah, just bring Familia in game pitch. four before the clean oh. inning. And, you know, maybe Murphy doesn't make an error. Even if he does, maybe nobody's on base. Away you go. And that era was why I supported moving on from Daniel Murphy, yeah. which I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show. I was wrong in how even today you could learn from a Daniel Murphy. The Mets should be wise to learn. Maybe it's DJ Stewart. Maybe it's somebody else that's not on their organization roster. Players can evolve. Justin Turner did it. Right. And yeah. he did it after leaving the Mets. And there's another Jeff guy that Jeff Wilpon didn't like. That's why he wasn't yeah. on the on the roster. And J- Justin Turner, from what I know, and I won't reveal how I know, does not like Jeff Wilpon either. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, it's a long line of people. It's a big club. Right. right. So, yeah, but, so you know, we the, go back in history the at thing, this point. And, the thing and, and with Collins, Collins was, was you know, Remember too where Collins came from when he got the job. Uh, the, the Angels, they, they they had a revolt against him. They wanted yeah. him gone. The players couldn't, he couldn't stand get a him. job for a decade, even though he no. almost got the he next job to, the first time when Japan. Willie he went to, was hired. Yeah, he went to Japan, didn't he? He, was, he went to Japan. The Mets were infatuated with him for a while. They brought him yeah. in for an interview when they gave the job to Willie Randolph. I remember laughing at them like ah, Terry Collins. And when Terry Collins' name was mentioned, I was like, "There's no way he's going to get the job." But I guess Paul De Podesta liked them. And look, yeah. Terry knew how his bread was buttered. He became very friendly with Fred. And that's what still is. And still Sandy Koufax. Yes, how and does... Sandy Koufax, who was very friendly with Fred. They went to high school together. Lafayette High School in Brooklyn. Lafayette. Uh, had a lot of influence because he loved Sandy, too, from what I understand. Yeah. And so Sandy Koufax is making decisions in the Mets managerial and uh, security. He's still... He's still collecting a Will Pond check. Because I never said why all the time. You and I need that gig. We need to do that gig. (laughs) You need to be on sports radio. Oh, well, the way (laughs) FAN is going now, forget about it. They don't want guys like me. I I gave some gratuitous advice to one of the midday hosts. You might know who he is. He likes to make a lot of bombastic uh, statements about the Mets, the Jets. And he didn't take it kindly. And I'm friendly with him. I've had him on my show. I've been very big with him. I'm personally friends with him on Facebook. He probably doesn't remember me. I have his number. I haven't called him in a long time. He may or may not remember. He knows who I am. And I just don't think he understood why I was so critical. And we're bouncing around, which should probably drive the listeners nuts, but they love it. I know. Drive. But, 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 but <laughs> this, WFA is what we drive. this is what we do. This is what we did every week for an hour on Sports Media Watchdog at that point. Although we talked about every sport. You know what was fun about that show and kind of going off again on a tangent here is that we spent an hour talking about Hurricane uh, Sandy, if you remember. Oh, yeah. It was the middle of all that, right? I know. Thing. I think, yeah, we were doing like when it was just coming in. It was like, you know, yeah. after the aftermath of that. Yeah, aftermath. No, we, touched, you know. we touched on everything. We touched then. on everything. And, and, and you know, it was a fun time. So so now this is where the Mets are at. And let's start first. You know, I, I saw Andy Martin. I talked about it in the open. I saw Andy Martino write about Carlos Beltran. The old kick in the you-know-what, Steve, would be after four years of this guy getting fired. I was not a proponent of him getting fired. I still remember being in the airport uh, flying up from Texas 
and seeing the news, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. How did the Mets get looped into this garbage? Now, a month later, COVID happens, which was far more serious than sign stealing. Yeah. So, you know, think about our society. Sign stealing was like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> oh my God, they're stealing signs. Like everybody's talking about, it. oh my God. Like the, the pearls were being clutched. And then a month later, the world's shutting down. I'm like, yeah. kind of yeah. tells you how stupid some of the stuff that we deal with is all the time. So imagine yeah, four years later, full circle, the guy gets hired as manager. Well, and I think he has because he's been every version of a player. He was the you know, got kid who didn't speak English coming over from Puerto Rico that had to earn his way up. Top prospect, star in the middle of a, a championship team, fading star on a championship team. And, and then a guy on the outs who had to – rebuild his reputation similar to a rod not as bad i think he could bring a lot to the players now can he manage the media can he provide the front-facing charisma that will keep the media away and the fans away i don't know that was not his mo as a player i had adam rubin on the show earlier this year we talked about that you know he didn't think beltron's reputation was as fair i i don't think it's fair I think it's patently unfair how WFAN and specifically Joe Benigno has trashed him about that strike forever because strike three happened That's, against the Hall of it's Famer. Like, we didn't know yeah. it at the time. That was a Hall yeah, of Famer. Wainwright is a whole, yeah. So, I mean, right. how do you feel about Beltron? And how do you feel about, you know, a manager? And you can't say Wally Backman because they'll, they'll throw us off the no. air, okay? <laughs> well, the only thing with Beltron, you read the book, uh, Winning is Everything. About the Astro with the about the uh, uh yeah 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 it's it's fuzzy but I I did yeah he he's like the ringleader of that whole thing now depending on what side you fall on about the sign stealing stuff right I mean I think it's just blown out of proportion I mean they use it, tools it, it, to do the same thing that they were doing when they were with the Mets if you remember with the Mets. Remember the Carlos Bel- uh, Carlos Delgado book that everybody used to talk about? Right. Yeah. He he, prob- yeah he, I think he was putting in pitch tipping in that book. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's the thing. Like you just mentioned, pitch tipping. How many times guys can see a pitcher tipping? You know, he's tipping what he's going to throw. Yeah. So he saw. He tells the guy. If you ever notice with the Mets, Lindor is good with this. When he strikes out of something, he'll go to, to Alonzo, grab him, and whisper in his ear. And he yes. might be telling him, listen, if he puts the glove past his nose, it's a, He's it's throwing a, a fastball. Pitch. Right. Yeah. If it comes down, you know, it's an, this pitch. So just watch out for that. This is what – this has been part of baseball for since it was discovered. How many times yeah. when a guy was on second base, they would tip off the batter, which yeah. – they would you know, an inside – I mean, the other night, part of the, the Braves – the other night, people were picking up some whistling with the Braves. Who knows yeah, what it I, is? Yeah. And, you I mean, now know. with pitch calm – you know, when I was anti-pitch calm at the beginning, I'm like, oh, good Lord, look at this thing. You know, I'm, I'm picturing like, you know, the old, can you hear me now, Verizon commercial type well, of thing. Well, that's what it is. How many and it times is. you're watching a game and that pitch calm, the guy's pulling his hair, you're taking it out. I'm like, oh, my God. It's you know, like, just, come on. you know, can we can we figure out a sign schematic? You know, now with AI, and look, I blame Major League Baseball for sign stealing, not Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran did everything that he did with the uh, Mets and throughout his career, except he added technology to it which at the time yeah. baseball should have known if steve keen and mike silver are on their phones looking at highlights instantaneously and i'm sitting here and i can say steve <laughs> i think it's a fastball look at the, the you and i could play this game yeah forget about trash cans and everything so can the astros now i don't think they should go without punishment but i don't think people should have lost their jobs uh, unless they had to lose their jobs because the clubhouse which is their main responsibility as a manager couldn't be kept clean but it's okay for Everybody to come back but him, Alex Cora, 
and so yeah. on come back but him core came back you know, Hinch came back Hinch came back you know come on you know and and I don't know where Stearns is going to go. I'm not sure Council, even with Woodruff having that uh, debilitating yeah, shoulder issue. He's going to have the, he's have the sh- shoulder. He's surgery. done. He's going to be out for Yeah, and Capsules, you don't come back the same ever. Well, Council's a free agent. His contract yeah, it's up. weird because, you know, the Mets have a critical offseason, and I don't know. And I, and it's look, Billy Epler steps down. We'll figure out what really that's all about. I think there's that, a lot of I, – I, That baffles. I don't understand why he stepped down. I, I mean, think he. I think it gave him an out that he probably wanted. Maybe, maybe he saw. Or, or, or the MLB mob, which he's very. My conspiracy theory is MLB's angry at Cohen, and they can't really oh, yeah, get they, him on anything. They can't get him on anything. He's playing by the rules. But similar to, and you know, I'm going to use an old Brooklyn term. You open up shop on 18th Avenue back in the day, and you don't pay tribute to the feast because uh-huh. you're going to be the guy <laughs> who doesn't pay tribute to the feast. Somehow, the next day, your deliveries don't show up, and you know. And, You're lucky that shit all that happens. <laughs> and, you know, no different than the FBI. You know, what does the FBI do? Even in the most innocuous cases when they want to rattle you, they send everybody swarming in with their gun. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, I, I stole a paperclip. No, no, this is a federal offense. And all of a sudden you're surrounded by all of this. And you're like, you're really using taxpayer resources on this because it's about sending you a message or sending someone that you're affiliated with a message. We can do this whenever we want and make I your know. life miserable. And I believe that's what's going on. I think Billy Epler knows the the way this works, and he wanted out of it. But that's not proven. Uh, now, if he was manipulating service time, like the Casey situation and things like that, yeah. But they all do that. The Dodgers use that to run a pitching staff for years. They use the IL. What did Casey tell you? Did Casey have anything interesting to, to share with you about his plight? I said I, I I spoke. He was by the bullpen, and I said, you know. Kind of wasting your time. He goes, yeah, tell me about it. You know, he's like, you know, what can I do? I'm coming off an injury. I'm rehabbing. They have me here in Brooklyn rehab. He goes, look, I'm, I think he was happier to be in Brooklyn than be in Syracuse to do it. So I mean, I had, at least you get to go out in New York City and be close to the right. team. Right. And, and he's close to the team. He said, I'm close right. to the team. I go to the because I go to the facility every day. Right. And I come here to do my pitching. Right. And he goes, and the time I saw him, uh, there was a Sunday. He made the next start he made with the Mets. And he pitched well. I mean, he, he pitched well. He's a good yeah. five, six swing guy, a he, la Trevor Williams. A, He'll keep you in exactly. the ballgame. Five he's innings, two runs. Six innings, five three runs. starter or swing man. Perfect swing player. guy. Perfect guy. They have a lot listed. The one thing we learned about them after the, the, the fire sale is they have some good swing men now. They have some yeah. depth. And, and then that doesn't even include – the guys that the Hamels and the Petersons and things like that, yeah, the young pitchers who we don't they know. They have some young guys. Uh, Mike Vassell is a guy. Mike Vassell, who about. probably He's is the pretty, next man yeah. up on the yeah. on the prospect list. And but you, like you think about it. Everybody was killing them about the sell-off. The team played better after the sell-off. Buck kept, I mean, was, they were short, but Buck kept them around 500 after the, I, after I, the I, I give, losing streak out of the sell-off, which is understandable. Baltimore, Kansas City is a little inexcusable, but they were hung over. And then you had Baltimore, which was on a run. They basically basically play five hundred the rest of the way. Yeah, they, not, they, played, they had the Phillies on their schedule. They had some teams. That yeah, they, they played. They, you know, I mean, Buck. I'll say this for Buck: this team didn't didn't lay down and die. No, nope. team played for him. They played hard. For I don't him. get firing him. I don't get it. Other than I clean mean, slate, I, thought, I don't get it. I thought they would keep him for a year and then give him a year of extension, so you don't have him as a lame duck. Bingo. Now, why they Bingo. got rid of him? I don't. You know. There's things that he did, like with the guys getting hit by pitches. 
I, I mean, he's a little too laid back with that. And I was very surprised at yeah. that. I thought, you know, I never understood why you were, especially Alonzo, not just getting hit. This guy's getting hit in the head. He's pinata. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think at some point, at some point, somebody's got to jump over that dugout yeah. fence and say, listen, we're going. Which we're, they we're, did, we're, which they did in Washington very early the year before. Yeah. You know, some of it, I think, is, and I think Buck understands this, but the such with such poor pitching philosophies that are all focused on velocity with the ball being messed with by the league. We know they mess yeah. with the ball. I mean, that's fact, you know, with pitchers not being qualified to even be big leaguers because of the lack of mm-hmm. quality, you know, we talk about in our country, the lack of good help. Every business talks about it. Baseball's yeah, the this, same way. There's a lack of good help, ball. especially on the bullpen side. These guys don't know how to pitch. No. I blame driveline for it. I blame analytics for it. And I'm not anti either one of those things. I think you could glean some, you know, what my problem is about the sport now. And see, you're getting a full sports media watchdog. Like Steve and I just riff back and forth. <laughs> There's no organization here. That's why no. you, you keep it here. Um, you know, the sport is like a cult. Like it's got to be this way. Or we're all trying. And I think that's what why I'm so annoyed. And I was so annoyed in the open about this talk about changing the playoff format. Because... We don't get the outcome we want, so we have to change the rules. But then we complain about the lack of parity. And then we change the rules for parity, and then we complain that, well, and meanwhile, you know, say what you want about Billy Epler. He was Mr. Probabilistic over here. He was the one, I, it always stuck out with me, he said, the best teams only win 17% of the time. That's the best. That's the Dodgers and the Braves this year. You still have an 83% chance of losing. So why are we surprised about that? Remember in the NBA, you're a big basketball fan. Dallas and San Antonio, the two best teams, they wound up not facing each off in the conference finals. Or a lot of people felt that should be an NBA finals matchup because they're the two best teams. And people are like, we need to change the rules. You need to seed everybody one to 16. I'm like, why? Because this happened this year? Yeah. It, could be, it could be totally different next year. You know, geography is geography. If by some chance the two best teams are in a league, American League or National League or Eastern or Western Conference, whatever the sport. Remember the Buffalo Bills? They used to be, you know, ever they, they were the, the the fodder for whatever NFC team came out because the right. NFC teams were the next level up. The, the Niners, the Giants, Cowboys, whatever it may be. So I don't believe we have to change anything, but I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Like everybody wants the outcome that they want. Right. Because of a situation. Well, ba- baseball is the only sport where people are upset when there's upsets. I mean, <laughs> every other sport, when if uh, in the NCAA tournament, when a 16 seed beats Virginia, the number one seed, it's like it's all over. The, everybody's like, oh, wow, you believe it? Did you see that game? Yep. Last yep. year, the Boston Bruins in the NHL, they set a record for wins and points. And with President's Trump, they were the top team in the NHL. They got bounced yep. in the first round. Yep. Yep. It happens. What, what baseball should really think about doing is now if you're going to have this balanced schedule, scrap these divisions, go yep. to a National League, American League, take the first six teams, put them in the playoff. One play six, two plays five, that's it. Just do it that way. You can do that. You can do yeah, that. I mean, you might as well. You seed them or, up. Well, reseed. Reseed. If you well, what they play- could even do is if they want to do it that way, just make it stay at one ballpark. If you're four, five, or six, you get yeah. no home get home, uh, home games. You keep them in the same. I think there's a. I think they can improve. I like expanded playoffs. I do. I do too. I like because I think it's important in today's day and age. And I think that I don't know if you guys listen to Sherman and Heyman, but Bob Costas. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Sometimes Bob Costas could be tough to take, but he made yeah. a lot of sense. You know, Bob Costas from a generation, the Mickey Mantle generation, uh, the, the baby boomers or whatever it may be you want to call them, uh, that 
you won your league, you went to the World Series. And maybe you had a classic pennant race at the top. You know, maybe three-team pennant race, Giants, Dodgers, whatever, Yankees, Tigers, Yankees, Reds, whatever. And those two cities have these magical stories about that summer. But you have 24 other cities that basically went to the ballpark to have a day out that had no reason to believe that that result had any greater meaning. And in an environment where you only had a few channels on TV and going out was like your day out, that worked. Now, you know what you do as a fan when your team's out of it in June? You're doing something else. Go to the beach. <laughs> you go to the beach. Maybe you're watching, you know, the WNBA. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you're playing fantasy sports and gambling. You know, you're watching off-season NFL talk. Like, you're listening to the show. Yeah. Like, there's so it's, many different things that you can be offered. It's a whole, whole different You can't. So you have to have there. a league that engages, uh, let's face it, six teams in she. 12 out of 30 teams, which is still not a bad percentage. You have a 30% chance or so to get in the playoffs. Now, there's a couple of ways you could do it. Your way, I thought about shortening the schedule to 154 games, having a wild card week, three games, day off, three games. And those teams just have home, you know, home field, the, the higher seed. And then you go on to the next. That burns them out a little bit, even though the other team is a layoff. Here's the other part. When have, I mean, Cincinnati Reds, uh, uh, I'm trying to think when they swept teams in the playoffs or, you know, they you know, layoffs before they, you know, teams, right, if you win four, nothing in a postseason series, you're going to have a layoff. What do you want? Well, that's not right. We need to, you know, pick the winner. So I don't have to, this whole layoff thing to me is, is overblown. I think. It's overblown because if you look at the teams, okay, take the Braves, the Braves had plenty of time to set up their pitching. Now a big blow to the Braves was losing Charlie Morton. So now you lose your three starter, but Strider and Free did not step up. But you right. could have. And you Strider could, you took a, accountability. I saw the Strider right. quote. I don't you particularly like the time, guy, but but he took. You had enough time to get your pitching in order. The Dodgers were a different story. The Dodgers were beset by so many injuries that they were bringing up guys who really don't belong in the major leagues right now. And then Kershaw, who, when it comes to postseason, he just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. He he didn't come through for you. Now you're relying on these triple A guys to come and try to bail you out. And it just didn't happen. It's going to Baltimore. They never at the trade deadline. Their big maneuver was to get uh, Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. They did. They could have went and got Verlander. They could have made a a move to get Scherzer. They had, they, they had. Maybe Verlander wouldn't have waived his no trade clause, but I, maybe. But you had to take a chance of trying to get him. Right. You have the you have the resources in the minor league. Right. You have the top one and of the Cohen top was gonna pay the salary. A lot of the yeah. salary. Yeah. And you know, so those teams didn't do enough to my my opinion, didn't do right. enough right. that they can cry now about getting swept. The I other agree. thing is there's a I know there's a big portion of Mets fans on this on social media, on this Mets Twitter, that all they do is they watch the Mets. They have nothing else. They don't watch anything else. No, You've said that they, for many it. years. Yeah, right. that's it. I see them crying. Oh, next season's over. What am I going to do? Watch the NBA. Life, Read listen, a book. Help an old lady cross the street. There you if go. If your life is dependent on the Mets, I feel sorry for you. You're not going to have you're gonna be, You're going to be miserable. You ain't going to be yeah. long for this. you, you, you got to have other things to do in life. You know, you and I should be on the Queens Baseball Convention panel, but those guys don't like me, so they'll probably they, pick you. They don't me. like me either. I don't know what How it do I ever do to them? Well, I, I have a big beef with them, but I'm going to keep that private because that's going to start a controversy. I have a beef with them. with them a couple of years back about their to um 
you know, criteria for getting into the uh, the, the ballpark, uh, their event. That was all. So, yeah, no, I I've had some problems with them too. I mean, we did a couple of, you know, I mean, I did the the panel with Eddie Cranepool. I did it with uh, Wally Backman. I did it with uh, Mookie Wilson. And then uh, I don't know, something came up and uh, they stopped. They stopped calling and stopped asking me to come to their events. So it's, uh, you know, I still sleep at night. So um, I guess I'm okay. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. So, all right, who do you want to be? So you have your solution for playoff baseball. Um, who do you want to be the Mets manager? Huh. That's the ten million dollar question. I mean, I because I, I don't know what Stearns is looking for. I don't know what what he's looking if, for in well, manager. Who would you want? Assuming you're Stearns, I mean, we know Stearns hasn't had any leaks. This is going to be a rough off season for you and I if we can't get any well, leaks. They- is Martino no, going to get us some meat potatoes? Martino's usually good at getting us some leaks, you know, you know. I think he's been shut off. I don't. I think, think he's been shut off too. Uh, the way he wrote off. the Beltron piece, yeah, wrote he's... as you know, talking about the importance of Beltron. Uh, read as if somebody was on the outside giving you, well, a, he had a, an the, old he, take, you know. Well, he's he's a Wilpon person, mm. so he had that. Right, Cohen is not nothing leaks out of this team anymore, out of this no. organization. The Showalter. No. Firing or resigning, whatever, going, nothing's been leaked. Like I don't know. Who, I mean, yeah, who was out right. there? I I've heard Joe Madden, and I don't know. Nah, too old. Too old. Yeah. I mean, I I would like to get a younger guy and get. And I don't mean I age. Mean, when I mean old, age meaning like standing been in around. The, in the, been yeah. around. I, look, I love Dusty Baker. I'd love in the back in the day, Joe Madden would be a good choice. Yeah. Um. Buck Showalter, who's probably going to get a job with maybe Anaheim. I mean, maybe but that's er- not Eric, where this team is going. That's not where Eric, Eric going. Chavez could have, get, have a shot at it. Yeah, I would look. You know, Joe Espada gets called for almost every interview. I mean, guys like guy like that. Who I would like to bring in, and this would probably shock a lot of people. Not as a manager, and maybe as a bench coach, hitting coach would be Don Mattingly. Mm. For some reason, Mattingly I don't have a problem Yankees, with that. Mattingly and the Yankees don't have a relationship anymore, which is awful. It's really yep. bad. Really bad. I think he's done with the managing part of his career. Sure. I I would like to bring him in. If you bring in another manager, a younger manager, bring him in as a bench coach slash right. hitting coach. Because I'm tired of hitting coaches who never played baseball. I know. hundred percent. And I think that. that's what Martino's trying to bring up yeah. in the piece about Beltron is that, there is, you know, with the Yankees going to Manaya and Saban and maybe acknowledging with Sean Casey, they need some real baseball yeah, nuance. You do. I, I think the same thing with the Mets. I, I, Billy Epler positioned himself as a real good advocate of scouting, a G. Michael yeah. disciple. That's why I didn't have a problem with the hire. But now, post mortem of his tenure, you see the Buck was treated no differently than any other analytics based front office would treat him. That maybe Epler was not as scout-friendly or old-school-friendly. Okay. Now, that shouldn't surprise me because when you read Joe Torrey's book, Epler was at the focus of his criticism. But Joe was also criticizing Epler early in the analytics revolution where you needed some of that because we were basing everything on extreme anecdotal information that was not healthy. But now this has swung way too far over. Too far. Especially, and- I cannot have someone who is an Ivy League graduate who never played trying to tell a major league player what his problem is hitting. I, I don't care. Look, I'm not anti-analytics either. I think it's a tool. 
you have a toolbox, right? Sometimes yep. you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. Yep. So I think it's sometimes you need a two by four across the head. That's what I can tell that's, you. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I think one of the worst firings that the Mets had in, in recent history was Chili Davis being fired as a hitting coach. Yep. Chili Davis was a professional hitter in baseball. Yep. yep. And he and this was a guy who can you need guys who can relate to a player. Sure. When when Jeff McNeil, a batting champion, is hitting two thirty, you need a guy who's been there before right. to look and see what he's doing. To sure. talk to him, to tell him, this is not who you are. This is how you, you know, you're going to get out of it. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to go back to the basics. We're going to hit off a tee and just get back to the basics. I can't have a guy coming down showing me numbers and pie charts and like that. Mm-hmm. You never. I mean, you look, they have the, the, the iPad, but while the pitcher's warming up, you see them going to the iPad and looking down. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's, that that's healthy at that point. You know, really well, not. I mean, that's something, you know, Keith Hernandez brings that up all the time. Just, just get on the, Get on the top step and just watch, observe, yep. and you can observe. see what's what. Yeah, observe and the whole thing. Guys don't do that. Well, you have now a generation of players who grew up with this technology. I mean, they've grown up with computers sure. since they're babies, and, and yep. this is what they know. But you need a guy that, and that's why I would love for them to hire. First of all, it would drive Yankee fans up a wall if Mattingly was wearing. A, I, I think Mattingly is a really good and look. He's a guy. Whoever you bring in whether it be Beltron or another first timer, which at this point I want sustainability. I want yeah. the Mets version of council. If it's not council, the Mets version of Dave Roberts. Right. I wanted that um, for a while. However, when Beltron blew up, I said they needed somebody experience. You couldn't do that in January of 2020 Rojas. Okay. Grew up with the organization. Good baseball pedigree. Wasn't ready. It was wasn't over. ready, it was, it, it and was he was in a bad spot. Big job right. for him, and you know now he's over in across town. So now you know you bring Buck in, who's exactly what they needed with with Billy Epler and the instability. Now you short circuited that, so I'm like, well, now you're back to it's not going to get any better with a Dusty Baker in the dugout. Okay, it's no, the same thing. I mean, even though I, I think he'd be perfect for what this team is facing, which is extreme opposition to the owners' presence. Well, and you know, look, look what the Phillies did. They they evoked the Mets during their post game celebration. Who cares about the Mets? But it tells you the league cares a lot. Oh, they do. When you have a, an owner and like Cohen with deep pockets, and he comes out and tells you, "I will pay." And what the owners have tried to do with the, the Cohen tax, and now they're starting to say, "Well, you can," you know, they're trying everything they can to stop them from spending big money on players. But they can't stop him from paying big money for coaches, instructors, and developers. And that's where he has the upper hand. And the teams know that. And look, you could be on the, you could be on the Phillies, you could be on the Braves, but you know that when you come up for free agency and you're, you're, you're a player that the teams are looking for, you can use the Mets to jack Absolutely. up your price. Yeah. So as much as they, that's why the Mets are in their heads as well. Yeah. Because, and they also know that. Sooner or later, they're going to find they're going to find their way with this with this. Sure, because... and then it's going to be a real big problem. And then yeah, well, it's going to be a problem for them. You know, uh, we'll wrap up on this point. Um, I think Steve Cohen is a hundred percent correct. So he was at some conference talking about sports ownership, and again, he's brought it up for a while and made jokes. And I'm surprised he hasn't gotten himself in trouble with anybody about how you get your muffler at City Field before you can yeah. get it. <laughs> uh, look, you grew up when the Mets were a baby and were 
brought into existence. I wasn't around. It has always been the middle of nowhere, Shea Stadium or City Field. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to do. You know, for a while they had Bobby V's place, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, you I know, they've tried the uh, McFadden's, I think it was, you know, a little yeah. bit there. That you know, uh, it didn't work. Look, you can't back then you could maybe have something that services game day. You can't survive as a restaurant business in the middle of nowhere, which if there's no baseball game, there's really no reason for you to be down there at all. So you don't have any kind of like, hey, let's go to McFadden's when the Mets are off to watch the game, maybe a postseason game. So Cohen's talked about the need to build some kind of village, let's call it, around there. And I've seen their renditions, the soccer stadium, you know, the hotels, the casino. I know everybody hates casinos and everybody doesn't want them. But again, go to the go to where we are as a society where it's very difficult to get people digitally out of their houses. You have to have something and, and sins, the sin, uh, the vices, gambling, you know, one of them is uh, out of all the sins we've legalized, it might not be the worst out there, you know? So well, I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of casinos. I love to go to casinos. I have, you name the casino, I've been there. Are you I'm like the, those... are you the person that Robert, De, oh, is it Robert De Niro's describing during casino at the end that they're going to pop their pension into the, into the <laughs> coffers? Is that the, I sit, listen, I Indiana go down casino. to, Phil- I go down to my Philadelphia to Parks Casino. I love that place. They have a great sports book. Yep. I'll go down there like on a Saturday, especially now college basketball coming up. Yep. Yep. I'll sit there for hours. I fight with the Philly fans. I wear my Met hat. I wear oh, my Giants God. hat. You know, I get it. But I love going. Mixing it up. I love doing that. I love going down there. I love, I love sports. What would you like to see around city field? I'd like to see what they have in Pittsburgh. You know, when you walk over the Clemente bridge, you have restaurants and you have this village and you have people hanging out and things like that. What they have in St. Louis, they have a baseball village in St. Louis where it's, you come, you don't, you have an entrance going right from the stadium into this baseball, this baseball village. And it, my son has been there with his friends. If you see in the back of me, I have a Bob Gibson, pitching rubber that they, yep look at that that's pretty yeah. cool <laughs> they got that steve is not see me behind me i just have my mets wall i, I blurred yeah. it out by accident <laughs> on the whole thing but, but now he, you have that they, it's like and they have it in philadelphia with the xfinity center you go sure. and it's you saw you saw the celebration the phillies had with their fan i mean you need something like that but as you say the problem is when there's no game nobody's nobody's going down nobody's to, going down there yeah how are you going to get a casino will do that a casino sure. will get you there. You need an anchor. You know, everything that gets complicated today could really just go back to its basic roots. You're in college learning about retail strategy back in the 90s when I was at St. John's. And the old anchors, you know, malls have four anchors. One, two, three, four. Now anchors right. are going bankrupt. No. So you don't have yeah. them. So basically you have all these like cell phone pop-ups in, in, yeah. and and it's, weed dispensaries and mammogram uh, yeah. places. Because anything you there. need, you just go to Amazon. You just, like, you just go to Amazon. To so now you got to go, you got to go there. So you're going to need an anchor. You're going to need a casino anchor in that. And Cohen's been, I think that's his long-term play. And I think him funding the team to make sure people continue to engage in this team is part of a bigger strategy. See, I think people right. are not looking at this. The strategy is I'm going to invest the money. I have it. I'm going to lose it. He's going to write these things off on his taxes, the losses. And I'm going to make this team relevant while we figure out the surrounding area. I know for a fact, I've talked to people that are that are very aware of what Cohen's trying to do. What bothers Cohen a lot is they don't have Wall Street cachet and big right. money cachet for both advertising as well as clientele. And I know people listening are going to get annoyed by that. 
But the people that we make fun of in the moat at the front are paying a lot of bills for the Mets to be. So while you and I are in Section 300 (laughs) or 400 or 500, which stinks that we don't have that disposable income, stinks. But it is what it is. You could argue that you could, you know, charge a little less and you'd have 50,000 of us at the stadium. I'm not sure I agree with that at it's, all. It's not, it's not just that. It's also the logistics of the stadium. For me to call from where I am in Staten Island to go to City Field, it's maybe 17 miles. It, but it takes you forever. It's going to take me almost two hours. I know. And then to get home two hours. I Whereas I can go from my home in Staten Island the Citizens Bank ballpark in Philadelphia in less time, and it's it's less of a hassle to get there. Although you're hanging out with Phillies fans, that's kind of a hassle. Right? I know, but I like that. It's a it's a nice ballpark, and you know right. they have. Now here's the thing too. And the neighborhood the, and the neighborhood's safe over there. Well, it's it's by itself. It's in South Philadelphia. Yeah, and it's it's all in one complex. You have yeah. Citizens Bank. You have, you have uh, Lincoln Financial, Lincoln, and yeah. then you have uh, Wells Fargo. Yep. I mean, my, my son and his friends, they, they've driven down there just to go. I to mean, Olympia. wouldn't it be, listen, for me, it'd be beautiful. Can I have the Mets and the Knicks and the Islanders yeah. on one shot? Yeah. You know, that'd be, uh, that'd be, you know, that, that about the I had it. I, 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 I was going <laughs> to wear my Islanders uh, oh my special hat for you on the whole thing. Oh, my God. The there Islanders. you go. By the way, guys, this I is. I have to get to that. I have to get to that arena, though. I haven't been there yet. I, I, that's what drives me nuts about Steve Keen. Here he is. He's a great Mets fan. He's a Rangers fan, which makes. Tons of sense, right? Well, not really. Usually Rangers and Yankees. I've been a Ranger. But, but he's a Ranger fan for a long forever. time. You know, you've been around before the Islanders were even a, a thought. In some yeah. I... But he roots for the Boston Celtics. And then to pretend that he's a New Yorker, he roots well, for the Brooklyn Nets, which is well, not real Brooklyn. Not the Brooklyn you and I grew up in. No, not it, I, I, I and an iconic those. franchise in, in Midtown. That shares the same building as the Rangers, the oh, New York Knicks. I, you you dump on and you oh, you give me a hard time oh, about. I can't I can't stand the Knicks. And you can't you, stand their fans. Let me tell you why why I go for for the Nets. All right, the Celtics. I rooted for the Celtics, and then the Celtics went public, and ah. I bought stock in the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I paid eight dollars a share for these. For did the you Celtics make any stock. money on it? Oh, did I? When the new ownership came in with Grossback, uh-huh. they they sent the letter out. And they said, we are buying back all the shares. We're staying. We want to be private. I paid $8 a share. They've given me $35. Not bad. Not bad. I I sent it in. Got my big check. I was happy. Look at you. The lesson. I should have bought stock of the Celtics, even though I hate them. Now, the Celtics win win their title, right? I'm at Madison Square Garden the next season. I see Rick Gross back. I said, I got to go talk to this guy. (laughs) I go over to him. I explained, I said, listen, I just want to thank you. You want to congratulate you on your championship, but I want to thank you for buying out my stock. He goes, oh, you were a stockholder? I said, yes. I, he goes, well, he goes, I'm, I'm glad you're happy in this and that. And he had the championship ring on. He took it off. He says, here, turn, put this on. I put the ring on. That's pretty cool. Now, my brother had, his company had seats for every game, every team. So they had the New Jersey Nets. Nobody wanted these tickets. So he's telling me, he goes, do you want these tickets? I said, yeah, give me whatever you have. Now, this is like when Michael Jordan, this is like right, right yep. at the end of, of the Michael Jordan era. Yep. I would go to these games, just me and my wife would go at the Meadowlands, 
if I'm telling you there's a thousand people in the arena, it was and it's like easy nobody. and it's really easy to get there versus oh, the bar. Oh, I, I saw a Knicks Nets game at the at the at the metal at the old uh, Izod Center. Right. It was easy in and out. So I would go then when my son was born. I was taking him, and he all of a sudden he loved going to these games, and he loved so. I said, yeah, all right, you know, move for that. Then when they moved to Brooklyn, and I worked downtown, I'm a 10-minute walk from Barclays. Right. So I started going down the game, bringing him. And now all of a sudden, you know, we became, I mean, I when they had Kenny Anderson, and then Woody was there, and Jared Allen, who I still love, I still wish he was still in that. I really liked that team. It was a really young team, good team. I loved Kenny, Kenny Anderson. I lo- loved him. He was great. And then, then they bring in the big, the big three. Yep. And I was like, "Whoa, where are we?" You know. Then they, that that went out. But I really like Sean Marks. I like how he runs. I, I love Jacques Vaughn. Love, and Joe Sy, his wife Clara Sy. They run a really good organization. So I, you know, said, so you know what? I like rooting for this team. And you they're like from Brooklyn. Hey, but Brooklyn. but if they play the Celtics, who do you root for? I root for Brooklyn. You'll root I used for them to, over the Celtics. I'll root for Brooklyn. Well, I'll now you're not a shareholder, so you can't, can't, you know. Well, yeah, but God I'm help if the Mets put shares out. Steve Keen's going to be a Mets shareholder. That's going to be de- that's going to be. Oh, de- I, I, I don't think this guy needs it. I think I don't think this guy uh, needs it, and he ain't going to get it for no. eight dollars a share if he if he does. Well, I tell you, if you heard that. if you heard him at that conference, what he had said too. Is, yep. He's not going to buy into anything else until he gets this Mets right. He's no, he's this, committed. He's, I think he's committed to getting it right. I'm I think telling you now. This Dolan wants to dump. He wants to get rid of the Rangers and the Knicks. He wants to sell them. Well, that, I don't think he, Cohen's ready for that. That's a lot of money. Not yet, but you believe if, Cohen will own the Knicks and the Rangers at some point? Is that what you're saying? I think so. I think interesting. He will. I interesting. Think, I think Dolan. Dolan wants to just. He wants. He wants, he wants to, to do the, the sphere. He wants to do music. He. I think he, the experience he wants to do in the, Vegas. And, and he that's wants really, to build. A, I saw. He it. wants to build a sphere here in. in yeah, he wants he wants the city council to dump Madison Square Garden and put a sphere above Penn Station. Well, he wants and he, dump. You know what? Make the Knicks come out to Long Island. Even better for me, I could go drive over to USB. Wait, wait, wait no. the Coliseum, the Mausoleum. No, USB. Make it go to USB. USB. Have you been to USB? No, but I uh, I've been to Belmont, which is right nearby. I went to Belmont Stakes. Yeah, and I mean the only thing criticism of USB is parking's a hassle. Like yeah, I know that's what you know, I you heard. can take it's the Long Island really... Railroad, but it's not direct if you're in Suffolk County. Um, I parking, parking is, is a mess. Parking's a mess over there. They didn't think of that. Um, but I think they were catering to their Nassau County. Yeah. They didn't care. I mean, I understand. Suffolk County. I want to go when St. John's plays. St. John's yeah. is going to play a couple of games. And that's another there. thing. We got Rick Patino back. So you and I, we got to get you on yeah. again. Now, depending on the feedback, they all think I'm a dope. And, 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 you know, they might like you better. I, you know, I become, oh. like, I think I'm such, I think I'm such a likable guy, but everybody on the tweet, the, well, it's X now, they think I'm yeah. kind of a dope. So somebody put out, I can't remember who did, like, do you want Mike to be the Mets GM? And I figured 80% would say no, very unscientific. It was much closer. They said no, but it was 50 50. So oh. if David Stern's listening, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Throw your hat in the ring. You might take a pay cut, though. You might have to take a pay Uh, cut. That's a problem. If I'm taking a pay cut, that's a problem. Then we have to talk at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the experience. I'll be like the analytics version of a GM. We'll pay you, you know, minimum wage and get, you know, a championship team out of it. Then then that'll be the new thing. You know, who can we pluck out of the stands and pay them dirt nothing? I know. Uh, My big boy bills will put me in the poorhouse if that happens. I know. It's uh, 
you know, know it's not cheap to, to live in this town. Job. So, so no. you got anything coming up? You got anything coming up? Anything going on as we wrap up? No, here? not not really. You know, I I go you're coming on back. Like are you coming back on with me, or this is a one and done? We have to. We can't make it oh, as no. long as. Would love anytime to do. Anytime you, anytime you extend the invitation, I, I said this is it. this was a two parter. You know, I'm I'm thinking of doing uh throughout the off season maybe some of these guest co hosts. And you know, your your name is in the in the queue. You're oh. on the rotation, my friend. So we'll do that. I'm I'm honored. I am honored. honored. I, yeah. All right, buddy. Be well. Enjoy your Sunday. I appreciate it. Let's do this again, anytime. my friend. All right? Anytime, Mike. It was it was it was great. It was great to talk to you again. Great to see you again. It's uh. You know, it was, I enjoyed it very much. All Thank right, you. Buddy. And that's Steve Keen, Crane Pool Society, at Crane Pool on X. I should start, like I said in the open, I got to say X. I keep saying Twitter. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this latest edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media or X. And you can sign up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No cheat. Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for supporting this show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care of you. Peace.